There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning into our Friday edition of the podcast. We certainly are thankful for the opportunity we have to bring this podcast to you. And even up here in the state of Maine, we've had others who've told us they're listening, they're hearing the podcast, and we certainly are thankful. And we want to be a help. We want to be a blessing. It's not a matter of us just putting out the information just to say we do it or to try to puff up ourselves or to lift up our name. But we want to magnify the name of Jesus Christ. We want folks to be in tune with this. And I realize it's just like being a pastor. Uh, when you sit there week in, week out, and you're, you say the same little, uh, the same little statements, and the same little comments, and the same little uh, quirks, and the same little twitches, and all of those things that personality and your persona and those things uh, dictate. It's difficult sometimes for people. They have the same voice over and over and over again on the podcast. It's interesting. We'll have uh, fifty to seventy downloads normally on a podcast after about two weeks. We usually have forty about the first day. And that's just the downloads. I don't know. There's people that live, listen streaming. I don't know how many listen streaming. We don't have the ability to track that. Uh, but that's the numbers. But then we have a guest speaker on here. And all of a sudden, the first day, that's 60 people. And uh, by the time two weeks are up, so it's 90, 100. In fact, our top uh, podcast download ever, um, two of the three have been testimonies of people here on the podcast. And uh, one of them has 190 downloads. So that means probably at least three to 400 people have listened. And what a blessing that is. What a great joy that brings to me. And so I know you may get weary hearing the same voice over and over again, the same announcements over and over again, the same song over and over again. And uh, we're looking for a new song, just trying to change the intro a little bit. And uh, we, But we need to do that because there are a lot of new folks that listen time to time. They need to receive the information. So bear with us on that. Uh, be patient about those things. Let God have his way uh, with the podcast. So in Job chapter 30, and one of the things we see in Job chapter 30 is, again, he's speaking in a parable. You saw that at the end of Job 29, and I didn't touch on it a lot because as we go into Job 30, it becomes very apparent. He is speaking in a parable, but Job also steps into that role again of the prophet of God. And he begins to speak of these things. I'm not sure exactly where we'll stop, but uh, all through this passage and all through Job chapter 30. And by the way, some Protestants even receive this as prophecy concerning Christ. Uh, some really say it's more pictorial than it is literal. But we know that Peter said that the, these holy men spake, these prophets spake by the spirit of Christ. We know they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And they're speaking concerning the sufferings of Christ. And that's why the Lord said this is a parable. If nothing else, uh, if there's all Job up to this point, that's fine. I can, hate, I can live with that. I don't think it is, but I just don't have enough light to really get into it. But we go into chapter 30. We see Job takes on that role again where he's speaking as a prophet of God, and he's speaking concerning the sufferings of the Son of God. But now they that are younger than I have me in derision, and whose fathers I would have disdained to have sat with the dogs of my flock. And so those younger than I, now 
I realize people say, well, that, that must be Job. He's that aged man. He's that man in the gate. But it's not so much about his age as it is the position. He said, I would disdain to have sat with the dogs of my flock. That's how vile they are. And yet they've come before Job and they're scoffing at Job. They're mocking at Job. He says, yea, where to? Might the strength of their hands profit me in whom old age was perished? For want and famine, they were solitary, fleeing into the wilderness in former time, desolate and waste. Now, Job gets into something here that certainly is outside of his normal conversation. This is certainly beyond what a normal conversation, even in Job's day, biblical times would be. This is a conversation that Job has started, and he speaks on this. Yea, whereto might the strength of their hands profit me, in whom old age was perished? For want and famine, they were solitary. Fleeing to the wilderness in former time, this is even before Job's time, desolate and waste, who cut up mallows by the bushes and juniper roots for their meat. They were driven forth from among men. They cried after them as after a thief to dwell in the cliffs of the valleys, in caves of the earth and in the rocks. So when they say they're younger than thee, it's not just the maturity here, because I believe they're probably dealing with the ancient of days. And it's the ancient of days speaking. They're younger than me while they were created beings. And he is speaking of them and they have fled. They're gone to the wilderness. They've made these things their life, their livelihood, if you will. Oftentimes, I believe when you see things like this in scripture, and I wrestle with these things greatly, but I see them many times. They're fleeing from the face of the Most High. And it's what he's dwelling with here and dealing with here. He said, they cried after him as a thief to dwell in the cliffs of the valley and in caves of the earth and in the rocks. In verse 7, he said, among the bushes they brayed, under the nettles they were gathered together. So one of those difficult things to understand, and I do have a little bit more light on that that I'm going to portray in here, but not a whole lot more. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It'd be easy to preach the podcast and say, I have a great deal more light than what I'm conveying to you. Well, that's genius, isn't it? Um, but there's just some things here that I just not prepare because I don't have enough understanding. And yet these are those that were driven away. These are those that went out of the wilderness. These are those out there living off the land, if you will. They're hiding. They're in the cliffs. They're in the, in the, the cliffs, C-L-F-I-F-T-S, in the valley. And yet they're hiding from God. But then he comes back and he says this, they were children of fools, yea, children of base men. They were viler than the earth. So that's those he drove out. Those, those that fled from before his face. That's those he put away. Now, this is, this is before the time of the Gentiles. Uh, this is before Abraham. No doubt this is even before Abraham. And God is speaking of those that he drove out, speaking of those that were, they were the children of fools. And so we're talking about things long before understanding, long before Job even has understanding. We're talking about things that are of God. And we're talking about those things that God has done. We're talking about those that God has put away, those that have fallen, uh, those that uh, God has put away from himself. And yet they're in the wilderness and they're just waiting for this day. And Job is prophesying of them and he's speaking of them above his understanding. And I do believe Job knows what he's speaking of, but I say above his understanding because I don't know if he clearly sees Christ in this chapter. I know sometimes we see that David foresaw the Lord, that David saw the Lord, Isaiah saw the Lord. We know that. I don't fully understand if Job did or did not hear. But what, it, what does make clear in the word of God, these were children of fools, they children of base men, they were viler than the earth. And it's interesting, Brother Donnie Harvey, many years ago, 
he preached on the mobs. And when the mobs came and they took, they took Paul and Silas and the mob came, and Brother Harvey preached that message on mobs, men of baser sort. And these are those base men. It has never changed. They're in the mob. These were in the mob, no doubt, that welcomed him to Jerusalem. These were in the mob that shouted, crucify him. And the sad thing is you have people that just go right along with it. They're not cognizant of the spiritual. They have no idea what's going on around them. That's why you don't have to love the world, do the things that are in the world. If they may love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But they just go along with the mob. They just go along with what seems normal. And uh, they're not willing to stand. But you're dealing with men of base or sort. You're dealing with base men. We're dealing with those driven away of God, outcasts of God. We're driven of those, no doubt. And I'm not talking like the Apostle Paul talked about being a castaway, but these are those who have been cast away from God because they were children of fools. And they said they were viler than the earth. So that gives us some understanding. That gives us a peek of what Job is speaking of here. No doubt he's dealing with those that are fallen, those that are cast down, those that are cast out. They're the viler men up on the earth. They're hiding. They're in this place. But then Job turns a corner here when he said this, and now I am their song, yea, I am their byword. Why? Because he's prophesying here. Job has stepped into that role of a prophet. He is now speaking of that one which is to come. He's speaking of that one which is going to die. He is speaking of that one when all hell is unleashed on him, and it's a place called Calvary. And all hell comes against him. And they come to Jesus Christ, and they abhor him. They despise him. And they unleash all their wickedness and all their vileness, and they're screaming, crucify him. Give us Barabbas. And they're in the mob, and others join in. And folks with absolutely no discernment and no understanding join in and yelling, crucify him. Why? Because they're fulfilling scripture. They're fulfilling prophecy that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And you see, there's a battle that goes on in, in every front and in every place. And folks just don't want to acknowledge that. I didn't say you understand it, but folks don't even want to acknowledge that. There are spiritual things we cannot see. The war that rages is a spiritual battle. We do not see those things that God sees. We don't understand those things that God understands. And people just with their head in the sand, they wander about uh, thinking everything's hunky-dory and all religion's wonderful and all oh, our church is so great and we got a great pastor and we got a great building and all, everything's just so lovely. And they cannot see beyond that to the spiritual. Can I say this? A church that the devil is not fighting is not God's church. A, a church that does not face hell every week is not God's church. And if it weren't for the sure mercies of God and were for the tender mercies of God, uh, the church would have no chance or no hope. We know the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But yet at the same time, I've heard messages preached on, on that God is our protection. God is our shelter. God is our safety. I heard a message preached on safety is of the Lord. And immediately after the message was done, they talked about how we need to have security in place and implement securities in case men of base or sort enter in and start shooting up the place. And, and, and this was contradictory to, to God is our refuge contradictory to safety is of the Lord. These are spiritual battles. I'm not so much worried about a guy coming in crazy off the streets, wild-eyed and gray-headed with blood on his eyebrows, wearing camouflage, carrying an AK, screaming the top of his lungs, I'm going to kill you all. And, and people are concerned about those things more than they are the spiritual. 
And there's devils in the churches, and there's ungodly people in the churches. There are men of base sort hiding out in the churches. They've come out of the wilderness. They've been eating the mallows and the juniper, and they're full of bitternesses, and they're full of discord, and they undermine young people, and they undermine children, and they undermine preaching, and they undermine parents, and they try to teach them doctrines of devils, and nobody's guarded against that. But, oh, we sure got guns in the church, don't we? Oh, yeah, we're going to fling lead if somebody breaks in. And the devil kicks in the door every week, walks around, and, and he's not, really, he's not resisted. There's not enough people there to really stand against him. He has his will and his way in the church each and every week, and they're concerned what man can do to them. They're concerned about a man. They don't believe safety is of the Lord because they don't see the spiritual battle. I know folks that uh, won't send their family off to teen camp. Because they're worried about awful things. They've heard stories of, 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 of attacks and physical assaults and sexual assaults and all these things that happen at teen camp. And yet the most awful and diabolical thing I've ever heard of from a teen camp was a woman counselor teaching the younger girls and the younger counselors in their teenage years and teaching them that your dad's too harsh, your mom's too strict, that you know, God didn't want you to be raised in that environment. But listen, we'll get you through this. We'll help you through this. And every one of those girls returned home and every one of those girls turned against their parents and turned against the word of God and turned against the house because some devil sit in the camp telling them that that's not God's way and undermining their parents and undermining the authority. And yet everybody just throws caution to the wind. And they go down and there'll be counselors at a camp and there'll be, there'll be campers at a camp and they themselves will go to music camp and they'll go to dance camp and they'll go to you know, all these places. And they're worried about the physical and they cannot see the spiritual. The most damnable thing that can happen to those young people is somebody come in there spiritually and undermine the work of God and undermine the work of their parents. And they could, in, in a week, they can undermine everything their parents have done for 16, 17, 18 years. For every single week there at camp, somebody can sit there and undermine what the man of God has done and what the work of God has done and what the church has done. And if you don't believe me, go find these pastors that send their children off to Bible college. Go find these pastors that for four years, they send every young person of church off to a Bible college and ask them, how many of them return to the church? How many of them come back? You know why? Because they go where they are and they begin to say, well, you know, your church just wasn't what it needed to be. Your church just wasn't what, and they're devils and they're undermining the work of God. This has never changed. They're against Jesus Christ. They are antichrist. And yet nobody wants to say boo about that, but we're going to, safety is of the Lord. We're going to protect ourselves. We're going to guard the church, but then they miss what they're really supposed to guard. It's like a father that's going to sleep with a shotgun under his pillow because he's going to defend his home. But he lets a perverse man into his home. He lets perverse teaching into his home. He lets NIV teachers come in and teach doctrines of devils. He puts his children to Sunday school teachers and teach them to undermine what God is saying. And he's absolutely not cognizant. Why? Because all he's concerned about is a Donald Trump mindset of security and a Republican mindset of security and not what God is concerned about. And that's exactly what he's speaking. That's exactly these men. They're children of fools. They have doctrines of devils. They undermine. They destroy. And then Jesus Christ, these men are viler than the earth. And then when Jesus Christ is lifted up, he says, now I am their song, yea, I am their byword. They abhor me. They flee far from me and spare not to spit in my face. And so it is with those that undermine the parents undermine the church, undermine the pastor, undermine the work of God, undermine the King James Bible. They're doctrines of devils. 
And we need to get back to worrying about what they're teaching. When they come out of the wilderness, my friend, we're in trouble. And we look around and we don't see the spiritual. All we see is the physical. And we want the ease. We want comfort. We want a nice, comfortable church. We want a church that, but we don't realize the devil sitting in churches. We don't realize the ungodly people sitting in churches. We don't realize those sitting there want to undermine everything that's being done. I've seen people do it publicly. I've had people get up and rebuke me publicly, suddenly from the pulpit over the things that are preached. And I just immediately assume if I preach the word of God and I'm standing for what God has given me and a message that God has given me, and they try to undermine the things that I've preached, the things that others have preached, I just assume it's doctrines of devils. But how many men, how many women are guarding against that? Oh, they're so concerned about the physical, they refuse to see the spiritual. And Job begins, he just began to scratch the surface here in chapter 30 of those men, those men of the baser sort, those base men that are the more vile than all of the earth. And they're out there, the sons of fools, the children of fools, and they're out there ready to destroy and undermine and tear and gnash and wreak havoc anywhere they can. And yet we're absolutely oblivious to that. And Job's going to deal with that as we see prophecy on Monday, Lord willing, in part two of this. Job is going to deal with that in prophecy concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. I do pray you take heed to these things. Have a great weekend. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.